I got the Broadway tour when I was 19. I was the youngest woman in the cast and making the most money I'd ever made. It was, like I said, international. So we were being flown all around Southeast Asia. I was in Korea, Malaysia, Singapore, Indonesia, and I was miserable. But it was so confusing because on one hand I was like, on basically the Korean Dave Letterman and I was modeling for Calvin Klein and like doing all these very sparkly things on paper. But my soul, I would go to bed at night and I just felt horrible. Now I feel so deeply passionate about listening to my intuition and listening to it when it is a whisper so that it doesn't have to scream at me. I didn't want to ever do something as a business owner just because it makes me money. For me, I love social. I think just remembering to come at it from this place of connection and not thinking of it as like a numbers game. If your heart's in it, there really isn't an option of it failing. This is Abby Miller. Welcome to Woke and Wired, a new conversation about expanded consciousness and entrepreneurship. This week on Woken Wired, I have my good friend, Abby Miller. We are going to share our story of how we met and went from her being my yoga teacher to leading retreats together and other business projects that I think you will really enjoy in this episode. Abby is a yoga teacher who turned productivity preacher, and she's driven by helping others elevate their possibilities and get hecka healthy, mind, body, biz, and bank. As a spirited and playful coach, speaker, teacher, and writer, Abby has been sharing food friendship, body love, and business badassery since 2012. Her wellness company, Abby Miller Holistic, has led her all over the globe, leading yoga retreats from Greece to Morocco, and speaking and coaching about body love and how to better use nutrition in order to fuel a fun and fulfilling life. She also serves up dream life biz coaching to babes seeking to up-level their solopreneurship. Abby believes that our wellness habits propel our biz mojo and learning how to self-boss is a big part of actually feeling like a business queen versus just playing one on Instagram. I love this. So we talk about being a morning person, about creating business rituals, about how she grew up on schooling and how that impacted her business today. Listening to your gut and the role that it plays in making business and life decisions. She shares how she left the performance art world and how she pivoted into yoga and business from there. And she also shares about the Monday magic method, a method that can really transform your productivity levels and your clarity as an entrepreneur. I'm someone who has watched Abby's work for years and I have led conferences with her, and we have a workbook together, the Biz Babe workbook that we talk about a lot on this show. And I can tell you that what she shares is really tested and she has really applied it to her own life. And she only shares the things that are the most helpful. And she's really committed to supporting others and feeling confident as an entrepreneur. So this conversation is both an interview and a friend catch up. I did intend to ask lots of questions that will give you guys a better context and answers to some of the behind the scenes questions of how Abby runs her business, what her revenue streams are, what role social media plays in her business and such. I hope you enjoy this podcast episode. And if you do, 
please share a screenshot of you listening to the podcast and share your takeaways by tagging at Woken Wired and at Abby Miller Holistic. Abby is A-B-B-I. I love hearing from you and I also appreciate every single one of you who is taking a moment right now to pause the podcast and leave a rating and review to the show on iTunes. All right. Happy day after July 4th. That's when we're recording. (laughs) I just realized that Abby is probably my second close friend that's on the podcast. And I'm very excited about this because I think that I have the raddest friends. And whenever I have catch-ups with my friends like Abby, it's always just so inspiring, motivating, and takes everything I'm doing to the next level. So I thought, wouldn't it be cool to just start recording those calls and sharing them with people so that I'm not keeping all the gold to myself? And with Abby, there's a special spunk and laughs usually to these conversations. So here we go. Abby Miller. Kale, yeah. I love it. Thanks, Chica. So where should we begin? Let's talk about how we met because I think it's such a cool story that we have once shared on Katie Dalebu's podcast, Let It Out, because it involves internet and it involves yoga. Mm-hmm. You want to tell the story? I feel like I'm always telling stories. So why don't you tell the story? <laughs> I love hearing you tell. So Ksenia and I both used to live in San Francisco and I was teaching dance and yoga and creativity classes at the Academy of Art University where you were a student. And so Ksenia was in my yoga class. That was our that was our first meeting, but to be honest, as a yoga teacher, of course, you know, you're teaching a lot of people. Like we didn't really hang or anything. Like I definitely knew who you were. Definitely. I don't know if I believe that. <laughs> Maybe you should tell the story. (laughs) Okay, let me tell the story. So Abby had red hair. She would make her own essential oil sprays that she would use at the end of Shavasana, or maybe beginning of Shavasana, most likely. I remember you had a website. I once thought, whoa, this girl is so cool. You know, maybe one day I'll be a friend with someone like that. And I went to your website, and you also had all these songs there. Maybe you even played guitar, and you sold those essential oil sprays. And Yeah, I definitely knew better who you were than you knew who I was. Even though one time during class, I think you told me that I look like Kaylee Guoco. Like who? This actress. I've never even seen any shows with her. Anyway, so that was that. I was 2010, I believe, and I was just really getting into yoga seriously. I was doing my master's degree in fashion merchandising in San Francisco, and I never really had a community or a tribe. And for me, yoga was really the place where... I started finding myself and felt comfortable, more comfortable than any other environment. And Abby, you were part of that journey, whether I was part of it for you or not. It was like unrequited love here. I knew who you were. I think Ksenia's, didn't I call you the wrong name one time? Is, is that where this is all coming from? Oh, I don't remember. What'd you call me? I don't know. I thought Maybe it's that I thought you were Swedish. I remember one time meeting you after class and being like, yeah, I like, aren't you the Swedish woman that always comes? <laughs> anyway, the point is... We were sharing space in the yoga world and and then I think you graduated and I think moved right to New York, right? Correct. And Facebook friended me. I did? I thought you were the one who made the first move. No, you friended me. I definitely remember that because I was I was really late in the game joining Facebook and I I remember being like, Oh, I like her. She was such a sweet student, you know, but I didn't again, we had never really like spent a lot of time. Oh, that Swedish woman. Let me friend her back. I love Swedes. My ancestry is Swedish, so you know. 
so anyway, I, you friended me and then I remember just seeing you posting more. Right. And you were like posting, this was kind of the birth of breakfast criminals and it just was on my radar. And I was really interested. I was like, this girl's cool. We need to talk. We need to like reconnect. And it was just totally this. Oh, the role switched. <laughs> You're like, oh, take that bit. No, I'm kidding. Yeah. So I was just compelled. I mean, it was truly like. I remember one day messaging you and just saying, hey, I love what you're doing. I feel called to connect with you. Are you down? You want to talk? And I think by the end of the week, we were on a Skype call. Planning a retreat in Nicaragua. And I didn't even have a clear intention. At that time, I was teaching yoga. I had moved back to Kansas City where my family is. And I was studying at the Institute for Integrative Nutrition. So I was getting my holistic nutrition health coaching certification. So I was really kind of obsessed with all things healthy eating. And that was kind of a whole new kind of branch of the wellness tree that I was on. And so yeah, I reached out to you. And I remember we talked on Skype. And again, no intention. This is pre business coaching. I was just like, Oh, you seem cool. Let's connect again. And then by the end of the call, we had decided we were going to lead a yoga retreat together. It was going to be in Nicaragua. I had already had leads. It was just like this total serendipitous thing, I feel. And it was the first retreat that I had ever led, was it the first one ever you led? Yes, it was. We were each other's firsts. Wow. That's so interesting. So I was just on my end finishing a yoga teacher training with Tara Styles in New York City. And I think I was also in the middle of doing a nine-month meditation teacher training with my teacher, David Harshita Wagner. And I hadn't really even taught many public classes, if any at all, by then. I, there was just this calling. and No, it was your first class ever, I remember. It was your first class ever. I remember you went to teach that day. Or, you know, maybe you had done like classes within the training or something. Right, right. Probably. Yeah. Yeah. I remember you asking me, because you're like, this is my first class. Do you have any any words of wisdom? You know, by that time, I had been teaching yoga for about five years. And I remember you're like, just, it was so sweet. You were asking me, like, how do I prepare kind of energetically? Like, do I ground down? Da, da, da. Of course, you plan the class, but you were asking me more like about holding space. And I remember being like, you know, I've been teaching for five years. Yeah, ideally, I sit and meditate or kind of just land a bit. But I don't always do that. Like I remember talking to you and then I don't know if you remember this, but because that morning I taught the morning, you taught evening and I went to teach my morning class and I had everything planned. I have all my poems and all my things. And this giant gust of wind came and blew it all into the jungle. It was just absolutely gone, like unretrievable. And I remember just you and I laughing about it later and saying, okay, I guess you don't need to prepare. Like the universe is like, okay, let's try it. Like practice what you preach. So I had to wing the class. Wow. So I love that we're talking about this because uh, the energy that I'm really connected to now is this energy that no one really knows what they're doing. No one's really an expert. Yes, some people know more than others. Some people have more experience than others, but it's really about tapping into what you're feeling called to and then taking those leaps. Yeah. And it's so cool how in our first ever one-on-one -on -one in-depth connection on that Skype call, this is what the energies guided us to do, to lead this retreat. And then from there on, I've just watched you soar and leap and lead those retreats around the world. So moving on to your work today, your Instagram bio, which is the place where we all spend most time and not necessarily always a reflection of everything we do, in your case definitely is, you are the person I always 
mention in my trainings and workshops because I think you're just such a great representation of someone who puts just enough work into social media and Instagram, but has a whole other world of successful business behind it, proving that you don't need to have a gazillion Instagram followers to have a successful presence and get all kinds of incredible celebrity press and things like that. So, okay, enough flattering you. Here's your Instagram bio. And if you guys want to follow along, it's at, at Abby Miller Holistic. And it's spelled A-B-B-I. <laughs> That's right. I always need to say that. Yeah, A-B-B-I. Abby Holistic Biz Coach. I help entrepreneurs dodge burnout and get good shit done. Make magic, make a difference, make bank. CEO of Babe, Biz Babes Unite and Monday Magic Method TM. Click to the link tree. All your highlight icons look beautifully pink blush and there's lots of sparkles and crystals and yoga poses and sage that's basically abby so (laughs) what is it that you actually do on a day-to-day basis yeah are you wanting like labels or are you wanting like how do i actually spend my time no give us reality how do you actually spend your time you wake up and what do you do yeah well i mean my morning routine is i usually get up about six and meditate and drink lots of water. And I have all these different things I do in the morning. Tell us all about the things though. Don't skip over them. Okay, great. Well, I mean, I'll just say that this, my interest in morning life, probably similar to you, Ksenia, was born out of not being a morning person. I was someone who would like wake up as late as I could, like wake up as late as I could afford to, to still have the day I was going to have. And that created a bit of a rushed energy, kind of like the feeling you have when you miss your alarm, but just like every day. And yeah, so that was kind of my life. And I found myself being really negative about things I wanted, like really simple things. Like I want to read more. I want to really commit to my meditation practice, things like this. And I was like, find myself saying these very limiting statements out loud, like, oh, I never read or like, oh, I never have time for this. And then it was just this real moment of like, I need to reclaim my time in a big way. And this was actually before I had read Miracle Morning and all of these things. But I just committed to getting, you know, and like, just for perspective, I was probably getting up at like 830. So for me to get up at six, that was a huge deal, like consistently getting up at six. And so that's probably been about honestly about six months that I've been doing this and it has changed my life. Like I know I followed your journey into the miracle morning and just was like, yes, 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 yes. Like I just am an absolute devotee to early morning life. So yeah, so this is a new thing for me. Now what I do, because I am pretty type A, I love my work and it's very easy for me to dive in and kind of like not come up for air is to make my morning the juiciest time of the day. And so I am like, leap out of bed at six because I'm so excited. I'm like meditating and I have all my essential oils and my favorite meditation cushion, which is this amazing brand called Ethel Studios. And I just love it. I'm going to link to this. If you guys want to know exactly what oils she uses or pillow, I'm going to link to all of that in show notes. Abby, I'll be getting the resources from you. Yeah, I love it. The meditation cushion, it's zero waste. So it's all ethically made in the US and it's all recycled or kind of salvaged fabric. It's such a cool company. But yeah, just really making space to start out my morning, tending to my own soul before as a coach, which I'll get into so much of my work is holding space for others, which is like the most fun and such an honor. And it only works when you fill your own cup. So yeah, so I do that. I usually drink some kind of herbal tea, tons and tons of water with my trace mineral drops. And 
And then after that, then it starts to shape shift. I either head to the gym, I do like a HIIT workout, which I've been really into, or probably about every other day, I'll just go for a really long walk out in the park near our house or read. Some days I just want to be still and I'll just read for a good like hour. So that all happens usually before my, 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 I was going to say boyfriend, but I mean fiance. Oh, oh, oh. Uh, Do you catch yourself doing that too? Not anymore. Now, most of the time, because we've been engaged for like three, four months, everyone just tends to call him my husband. I'm just like, okay. Oh, funny. Yeah. You're like, okay, we skipped a step, but it's fine. Right. (laughs) We're getting there. We're getting there. But yes, so I do all of this before my honey wakes up. And it's really nice to have this time because when he's awake, he's so full of life and energy that I want to be with him and not trying to like meditate with one eye open. So yeah. And then, you know, I usually start work around 8, 8.30 or 9. And, and so then I enter the work zone. And what that looks like for me is, well, now I'm start sort of thinking of the beginning of the week. So I have on Monday mornings, I have my, I have my first three hours of the morning blocked off. And probably like most things in the world of entrepreneurship, most of my methods and systems are born out of a place of discomfort, a place out of this is not working anymore. Whether I'm in physical pain, emotional pain, financial pain, right? Like whatever it is, that it's that is truly the growing pain. So I found myself feeling pretty scattered. My background's in yoga. As I said, I moved into the world of nutrition. And then in the last five years have been working with entrepreneurs as an entrepreneur, started to facilitate experiences for fellow entrepreneurs. I feel like we should talk about biz babe, Ksenia, before I dive into my Monday magic method. Definitely. How did it even come together? So yeah, being in KC, I was teaching yoga and nutrition, kind of had all my work tied up in a little wellness bow. I was like, this is what I do. And I had a lot of friends who were also entrepreneurs, solopreneurs, you know, photographers, they own hair salons, like all different industries. And we all loved it, but there was a little bit of a loneliness or just sort of like, who do I even talk to? Like, I don't know, do you use Google or iCal? Like, who can we check in about these things? And so one of my dear friends, Lane Levins, she owns an amazing shop called Shop Future. She and I were talking about something, I don't know, like something very menial, like probably about, you know, some type of software or something. And we're like, oh man, we should all get together and talk about this. So really BizBabe was born out of this desire for connection and being seen. And so, yeah, like the next month, it was almost like an entrepreneur book club. Like we all just got together. Everybody brought a snack. It was going to be, you know, 90 minutes and it went on for like four hours. And it was very evident in that moment that we all were so hungry for connection in this very like curated way, like curated as in we all had so much, we had one very big thing in common. And then the next month, I think it had doubled. And the next month it was even more people and it was just almost chaotic. And I realized, oh, I need to actually facilitate this. And then from there it was like, okay, well, if I'm facilitating it, maybe there should be a theme. And then it really grew where I realized, oh, this is really taking on a life of its own. I need to ticket this. This is a job. You know, this is a really something I want to really dedicate time to. So I did the first ticketed BizBabe event and it was a vision board event and a goal setting event. It was so awesome. And did you have previous event planning experience or how did you sort of figure out every step of the way of how to do that? In my early 20s, I ran an international adventure company. That was my first company that I co-founded with my friend Blake Bowles. So I did have some planning, but I don't really know that like booking 
minivans in Australia helped me a lot with planning. (laughs) Like, I don't know if those skills transfer. So not really, not like a formal, not an events in this way, trip planning, but not event planning per se. But I think it's like anything, you just kind of figure it out. You know, there's a desire, there's an interest, there's a passion, and you just ask a lot of questions. You're willing to learn from people who know more than you. And I think my work has always been very much led by my heart. And I don't know. I mean, I know you live this way. It's like if your heart's in it, you kind of just don't, there really isn't an option of it failing, you know? Right. And at some point it was doing really well. And you invited me to be a guest speaker back when you were living in Kansas City. Yeah. I came over and, and correct me if I'm wrong. I have pretty poor memory for things like that, but this is how it unfolded for me. We started working on workbooks for the event because both the productivity lessons you were teaching and the social media ones I was teaching, we both knew that we needed to walk people through a process, give them the opportunity to bring something home and continue taking it forward to really, really expand in those areas. And so we just started creating this workbook, like a little journal that people go through exercises. And in the process, we realized how powerful it was. And then we started getting feedback from people who attended saying how powerful it was. And so we decided to package it up and actually make it available for people to buy online, this big workbooks. Is that how it went? Mostly, but not totally. But yeah. I mean, that was the desire. That's where it came from. But yeah, we did a biz babe together. I just know numbers because I was, you know, the one doing the spreadsheets, but we had about 35 people. And then the next one, we decided for it to be a two day, like eight hour, aka 16 hour event. And yeah, we had made workbooks for both of those. But it was after that event that I think we really realized, you know, because you and I essentially took turns leading workshops and speaking. And I think from that event, we realized First of all, there's so much content that we've created for this that we want to make sure people have access to. And also you and I having moved a lot, we are we have audiences that aren't in Kansas City or that aren't necessarily going to fly in for an event and wanting it to be accessible globally to these people. So yeah, I mean, I, I think it was truly just like, a, oh, well, let's document we, what we just created and make it available. So yeah, that's the BizBabe workbooks that we have today. There's five different workbooks, five different topics. What are the topics they're like? Feeling ready is bullshit. (laughs) Right. There's social media workbook, which was the original sort of format of how I spread my word before I had an online course and a podcast and started leading workshops globally. And then there's productivity. There's, uh, I think, collaborations and PR and being seen. Yeah. I talk about my launch strategy for how I launch and sell out events and retreats. Right. Which is like the number one question I get asked. Yeah. So yeah, we created those. I mean, it's been so inspiring because it's it's been many years now and how they're still alive and still so relevant. And I just, it's so fun to talk to people who buy them, who I don't even know, who are impacted by its content. Like it's just, it's just been really, it's been really fun to like widen our reach in that way. Right. Because what we did is we both have done lots of personal development work. We've worked with coaches. We have done masterminds. So to be able to take all the things that actually worked for us and made a difference for our lives and businesses and package it all up and give it to people. Honestly, if you're listening and you're someone who wants more clarity in your business and like a little support and feeling more organized and just not sure where to start, 
in taking your biz to the next level. This is the most underrated because we both have so many other projects running. We don't really talk about this particular project too much, but it's really when people do discover it and actually go through the workbooks and do the work, like the results are just mind blowing and it's way lower price than our masterminds or anything like that. So if you want that, I'm definitely going to be linking all of these workbooks in the show notes if you're curious to hop on them. What are we selling them at? It's $75 right now? Yeah. Yeah, 75 for all five. It's 98 pages. It's not like a little, yeah, it's 98 pages. But... It's cheaper than one hour of a coaching session with pretty much anyone. Yeah. But if you want to do like a workbook a week or a workbook a day and do a DIY retreat, you can really, really achieve a lot with these workbooks. I love it. I have some clients who also revisit them quarterly. Like they just reprint them and re... I'm such a nerd for workbooks. I mean, that's why we made them. I love writing in workbooks. So they're very beautiful. I have amazing... We have an amazing designer, Taylor Pruitt, who designed them. And they're just like, yeah, I love the process of them. I actually, I'm glad we're talking about them. I'm going to print them today and do them myself because I think it's time. I actually want to do them too. Yeah. Done. Done. Deal. Okay. So this is one of the projects that brought us together. But, and by the way, you just like dropped casually that you ran an international adventure company. You've done so many cool things in your life. Can you just take us back a little bit before we get into the Monday magic and take us back a little bit on kind of the environment that you grew up that really stimulated such what's even the word? It's not even fearlessness. It's just courage to be yourself, courage to be creative and to do things that are out of the box. That's so beautiful. Well, shout out mom and dad. I have amazing, I like won the parent lottery. I grew up unschooling. So that is a kind of term that is kind of a subtitle of the term homeschooling. A lot of people are more familiar with homeschooling. Unschooling is homeschooling's liberal sister. So what this means is rather than schooling at home where my parents were like, we are teaching you, here is your syllabus, this is what you will learn today. Instead, my parents came to me, I started unschooling as an eight-year-old. They came to me and said, okay, what do you want to learn today? What are you doing? What's up? What are you doing today? And I would say, oh, I'm going to read this book or I'm going to write my pen pal or I'm going to go to dance class or, you know, and they would just kind of ask me and this, I'm such an advocate. Like I don't have kids yet, but I will absolutely unschool them. It was such a positive experience for me. And it's very much interest led learning. And I just believe that we are all brought into this world with different superpowers and gifts and interests. And I think one way that school fails a lot of people is that it encourages or necessitates this need for absolute balance. I need to be pretty good at everything. I can excel at something, but I need to be pretty good at everything else, which is just not how we work as humans. You know, I mean, was Einstein a good cook? Like probably not, you know, I don't know, like maybe he could draw, but you know, so I think something that I loved about unschooling was my parents always were just cajoling out of us, like who we were, instead of telling us who we should be, they were asking us who we are. And I mean, I could talk about unschooling for an hour, but it was just such a profound thing, you know, and it's all I knew too, but I grew up going to alternative private school before that. But yeah, so I mean, I'm very, very, very privileged in that I spent my childhood doing things I love. I was a dancer and figure skater and actress. I got my first commercial agent at age 14. So I was, you know, making a living at age 14, being in commercials and, and plays. And it was just, yeah, it's just so incredible. I, and it was such a, I mean, talk about courage. It was such a leap for them 
to do that because they didn't live in a world where people unschooled. I mean, all their friends thought they were crazy. Now there's a, you know, approximately 10% of the population in the US does some type of homeschooling. But at the time, it was only like super, super, super conservative religious peeps who were homeschooling. You know, it wasn't parents who were, my parents' belief was just sort of like, let's teach you in the world, not in a classroom. And that's not to dog on school. I think there's amazing things that happen in school. And I, I you know, so it's not for everyone. But but yeah, it was definitely a really amazing childhood. It's so interesting because I didn't grow up unschooled. I grew up going to a school in Russia that wasn't too strict, but definitely there's still remnants of Soviet strictness yeah. and discipline. And at the same time at home, on the contrary, my parents were super relaxed and liberal and let me do anything I want. And now that I'm on my own, it's interesting to be noticing different patterns of how these things impacted me. It's interesting because you grew up with total freedom to choose what you do. But now what you mm -hmm. help people do is get organized. Because probably yeah. you realize that if I can do anything anytime, and completely make my day every day, then I better have some discipline and some organization because otherwise I won't achieve anything. Is that how it went or what was your process? Yeah, I love that you drew that line connecting those things because I do think that growing up unschooling is a huge part of my the kind of the birth of my skill set around I call it self-bossing. That's you can call it entrepreneurship. I would say 95% of my clients are entrepreneurs, but I like the the identity of a self-boss because, you know, whether you're a CEO of it, you know, with a team of 100 or you're a solopreneur, essentially at the end of the day, there's no one above you, right? Like you're bossing yourself. And yeah, absolutely. And I think that, you know, whether I'm working with someone who has just quit a full-time job and they're growing their side hustle or they're starting a new project that there's like so much excitement. If, if you are birthing your own creative professional thing into the world, it's like, if you are doing that, you have committed to it because of some type of drive, need, interest, desire, passion, right? And so initially, it's like all adrenaline. We're like, Oh, my God, I'm doing it. This is insane. Holy shit. And then I think there's a point where that adrenaline, you know, it's not sustainable, we can't actually be in that high state of adrenaline for so long. And then we start to that's where the discipline needs to kick in. And I think for a lot of us that I think of like a newborn baby, it's like, there's a reason you like swaddle a little baby in a blanket. It's like, structure creates freedom, right? They feel safer being held tightly and snuggled. And I think that while I love unschooling, that absolute freedom, you know, every day being just truly in flow and nothing is scheduled for me would have been crazy making had I not created my own structure. And so, yeah, a lot of the work that, that I do and a lot of the issues that I see come up with clients ends up being around this conversation of, okay, cool. I have all of this autonomy and self-agency. What the hell do I do with it? And how do I live in this privileged, amazing state of entrepreneurship and still have the ability to like go to the pool at noon on a Thursday or take a wild trip or do the things that you can't necessarily do in a nine to five employee situation, but still get stuff done, you know? Right. So how did you go from being in commercials and theater to getting into being a self boss and then having enough experience and courage and clarity to teach that to others? Ooh, well, let's see. So I got a Broadway, an international Broadway tour when I was 19. I was in the musical Grease. You may have heard of it. I love Grease. Who were you? I was a cover, which is theater speak for an understudy. So I, I was in the show as like a chorus girl. 
I was in the show and then I covered Patty and Cha-Cha. So Patty's like the annoying cheerleader. Cha-Cha is like the obnoxious dancer who doesn't even go to the high school. It's a Uh. little different in the play than the movie. But yeah, they're fun parts. It was definitely a wild time. I mean, the kind of shorter story is that I was performing. All I ever wanted from age eight was to be on Broadway. I had such clarity about that. And so funny. I don't know if you're into the Enneagram, but I didn't want to just like be on Broadway. I was like, I'm going to be a Broadway star. You know, I was like, I am shooting for the top. How does that tie into Enneagram? I'm an Enneagram three for anyone listening. And I just have done a lot of research around it lately. And I just laugh because a three is like the winner or the achiever. And it's like, whatever you want, you want the biggest and the best. And so I'm just laughing at myself for, you know, that, how that manifested. But, but yeah, so I got the Broadway tour when I was 19. I was the youngest woman in the cast and making the most money I'd ever made. It was, like I said, international. So we were being flown all around Southeast Asia. I was in Korea, Malaysia, Singapore, Indonesia, and I was miserable. I was, you know, I had just found yoga. I had just really connected with it when I was living in New York City and then went, you know, flying around the world. And it was just, I had no autonomy over my schedule. You know, we have a company manager booking our flights. You just truly a little, you feel a little bit like cattle. And, but it was so confusing because on one hand I was like on basically the Korean Dave Letterman and I was modeling for Calvin Klein and like doing all these very sparkly things on paper, but my soul, I would go to bed at night and I just felt horrible. And I didn't really connect with the cast. There was a lot of toxicity around alcoholism and things like this that I just wasn't relating to. And I remember wanting to quit. I remember, and we, you know, in the contract, they can sue you if you quit all these things. And I remember being in Korea and just thinking, like this thought came to me like, oh, if I got injured, they would have to fire me. And I remember that thought entered my mind and we had a two week break and I was being flown. We had a layover in Sweden. I was being flown to Malaysia and our flight had to make an emergency landing. And it's a very long story, but the gist of it was the whole cast ended up showing up like hours before opening night. Like normally we're supposed to be in town for three days to get over jet lag. And it was like, we had an hour to like sound check, walk the stage, go home, shower, come to the theater. It was just absolutely mental. I was walking across stage on opening night. And by opening night, I mean opening night of a new location. I had already been on tour for like four or five months. My ankle just snapped. Like I was walking. I wasn't even dancing. My ankle just snapped underneath me. I fell over. I had to be carried off stage. And my ankle started to swell up. It was just unreal. And I had to be like, my costume had to be like cut off me. I was put in like a ambulance and taken to the ER in Kuala Lumpur, you know, spoiler alert, I made it, it's fine. But I truly believe that we receive messages, however, we most value our like perception. And I think by that, I mean, I was a dancer, my body was my career in so many ways. And I think that getting a message through my body was sort of I like undeniably had to listen to it. And so here I am in a wheelchair in Malaysia, they didn't fire me. They're like waiting for me to heal, but I didn't really have a diagnosis. Nothing was broken. They didn't really quite know what happened. And the company made me still sing. So even though I couldn't be on stage in a wheelchair, I had to sit in the wings of every show and sing my parts. 
it was just hell. It was terrible. You know, I'm a dancer. I wanted to be dancing and I'm sitting there singing like the hand drive in the wings. And I just remember feeling like I just, my, there was such a dissonance in my soul. Like I was like, this is not my path. This is not my path. And I started to get facial pain. And a couple of days later, my jaw started swelling and I was getting both of my wisdom teeth. I later found out were both abscessed and impacted. So here I am. I can't walk. And then the only thing that I'm employable for in this moment is singing. And I couldn't, I mean, I could sing, but it was so painful. And I mean, at that point, it was almost laughable that I was like, oh my God, when are you going to fire me? You know, like let a sister go. And they wouldn't lay me off. And then, I don't know, a couple of days later, our company manager brought the cast together and said, we're actually terminating the contract. There was a kind of a scheduling, like a bidding war that went south. And so we were supposed to go to India and we that ended up being canceled. And yeah, so we, I was supposed to be on tour for a year and it ended up only being six months. And I was sent home with in a wheelchair with swollen face and I had to get emergency dental surgery, all these things. But I mean, when I look at that time in my life, I'm like, my body as a messenger was telling me this is not for you. And so, I mean, I got that message loud and clear. So after I came back, it was really confusing because I had signed with a new agent and got this tour. And again, on paper was like, oh, you are making it like this is it. Like you are swimming with the big fish and I wanted nothing to do with it. So I like shaved my head. I like chopped all my hair off. I was like, I'm not going to wear makeup. I'm not going to shave my legs. Like no one can tell me I have to be pretty. And I pretty much just like denounced the performing arts industry <laughs> and really dove into yoga. So this is a, a long winded answer to say that, that I quit. I quit the industry and, and ended up really turning my attention towards studying yoga and moved to San Francisco, got, got certified out there through an amazing studio called Laughing Lotus. And yeah, went to India, studied there for three or four months, you know, had had some different experiences there. But but yeah, that was my pivot from the performing arts into yoga. That's my answer. Wow. Okay. So coming back and first of all, it's interesting because it's clear that you were getting the messages that this is not for you in your heart and soul first, but that wasn't strong enough. And it would have been so probably challenging and uncomfortable to just follow that and quit before your body tells you because of the contracts you had. Do you now, have you changed how you listen to your intuition by not waiting until your body tells you something and just act on your heart's messages being enough? So yes, to answer your question, I've had a few other really intense experiences in my life. I mean, one in particular that was, you know, probably for another podcast, but where I I didn't listen. I've had situations in my life I felt like my gut betrayed me. Like, do I even believe in intuition? Do I believe in God and the universe? Is there actually anyone there helping me? And I realized that I did. I had all the signals I needed. I had all the signals I needed to prevent a couple things that have happened to me. And it's not that the alarms weren't going off. It's that I didn't heed to them. And so, yeah, I mean, now I feel so deeply passionate about listening to my intuition and listening to it when it is a whisper so that it doesn't have to scream at me. The thing about that is we aren't necessarily taught that in our culture and it's not, it doesn't always make sense to people. You know, if you're like, whatever it is, you know, and and my situation was really negative. It was very life-threatening, but it could be a positive intuition about 
something that you want to create. You know, it's, you know, I even think about how I met my fiance. It was that positive feeling. I was at a cafe and he was gardening and I saw him across the street and I just had this like magnetic pull to him. I couldn't, he was had his back to me. I didn't even see his face or anything. I was just like, I need to know that person, you know? So, so that's like a beautiful example of having that really clear pull towards something. So, so yeah, I mean, I think it's really powerful. I believe we all have. I mean, his back probably is very strong and handsome at the same time too. I mean, let's be honest. He was gardening and sweaty and it wasn't bad to look at, but yeah. Yeah. Okay. So there's so many directions I want to jump into. I know we still haven't talked about Monday magic. How about I give you a couple of options for the direction and you pick what excites you the most. Okay. So the one direction was what role does intuition play in your business now and listening to your gut? And the other one is after coming back stateside and realizing performing arts are not for you and getting into yoga, how did you build up your business? How do you actually start making money? And where is your business now? And how, what were the steps that you took to get there? Oh my gosh, I want to talk about both of them. Well, maybe you weave one into the other one. How about that? Yeah, exactly. Yeah, they're very connected. To answer kind of the, the timeline of my biz, so I got certified to teach kids yoga in New York City. I was teaching at a place called Karma Kids, which still exists. They're lovely. And taught there and then moved to San Francisco to study with my teacher, Dana Flynn of Laughing Lotus. So I ended up teaching in San Francisco. And then I also, as you know, got the gig at the Academy of Art University. And I just taught all over town. I think as a yoga teacher, at least in the world as I know it, you'd kind of tend to gig. And so I taught at a lot of different studios. I had private clients. You just kind of piece it together. It was a little bit wacky. I, I wouldn't want to do it in that way again, but I made it work and it was like a wild adventure, you know? And then I, I ended up moving back to Kansas City where my family is, then going to India for three or four months and studying there. And then when I came back, it's kind of the same thing in KC. I just really reached out to all the studios that I had connections to or, or was drawn to. But I think it became pretty quickly evident that, you know, teaching for 20 bucks an hour, which isn't bad pay, but if you only work an hour a day, right, not going to make ends meet. And, and I mean, your question around intuition, I just, I think stepping into the role of a yoga teacher, people really tend to see you as a healer, you know, and, and I think having gone through my, my sort of existential journey of who am I, why am I a performer, you know, really understanding that I was close, but I had kind of missed the mark, I think around that was that I really was holding space for people and, and creating a space where people can feel good is something that's important to me. And that is what you do as an actress. You know, a lot of the time you're telling a story, you're giving people entertainment. And I think yoga was for me a more authentic way to do something very similar. And so, yeah, from there, I mean, that's about the time that you and I connected and led the retreat. And I think truly doing that retreat and having, you know, a lot of friends and students come was I mean, that's kind of entrepreneurship 101. You have the courage to create something and people say yes to it and it gives you the courage to reiterate and try it again, you know? So I think that in, you know, this world of solopreneurship, it's so easy to think like it's this static thing. Like I am creating this thing in the world, but it is a dance. It is a dance with your clients. It is a dance with your followers. It is a dance with your people, you know? And so I think so much of my success is due to people like you who I've collaborated with and you've been such a supporter of me 
and you know other people that I've been in kind of peer partnership with, but also the people that found value in what I was creating, you know? So, I mean, just personally, it's been so cool to create something and see if people are down. And I think now that I'm working as a business coach, I think that's a thing that I feel really grateful for in my own life is my risk tolerance is pretty high. It's pretty high. You know, financially, I'm not launching something that's, you know, $100,000 and seeing what happens necessarily. But finding, you know, in the startup world, it's like your MVP, you know, your minimal minimum viable product, but really finding what is it that I can create, get feedback on and reiterate. And I think a lot of that is really intuition led for sure. Wow. So can you give us a breakdown of your business? Because I know you've had some transitions in the past year or so. You used to do a ton of retreats. Can you give us an idea of where your business, the different revenue streams and which ones are sort of, you're putting the focus in, which ones not so much? Yeah, totally. Yeah. And this relates to the question you just asked as well. So for the last four years, five years, I've been leading international luxury yoga retreats. So Greece, Morocco, Nicaragua, Italy, Iceland, all over. And it's been so amazing. It's been so, so, so cool. And those have been a great source of revenue for me. And just a pivot for me in the last year, I had, I think last year I read led three or four retreats. It was a big year for me. I'm also leading biz babe events and coaching all the things. And last year I was in conversation with a company, a gentleman in Barcelona. We were planning a retreat there. And I realized I just had this gut feeling. I was like, I don't want to do it. And I knew I have people who are like, when's your next retreat? When's your next retreat? I I have a system. I have a method. I have a following. I have people who want to do this, which is like such a freaking honor. Like it's so amazing. And I just knew in my soul, I was like, I don't actually want to, it doesn't feel right. And I didn't want to ever do something as a business owner, just because it makes me money. And I really struggled with this last year. And I ended up telling him, no, I ended up saying, you know what? It's not feeling right. Let's check in in a year. Who knows? But for now, my answer is actually no. And that was a really big deal for me because I can see the money that is not coming in from that source. But again, for me, one of my greatest values is alignment. And I just can't go to sleep at night knowing I'm only doing something for money, you know? Right. Even though it's easy to do, you already have systems. Yeah. And I think that's where it takes lots of guts to just be like, okay, this is a way I already know people want to buy this but this doesn't feel in alignment right now. It really, really takes that total trust to your intuition to do that. And so what did you end up pivoting into by creating that space? Yeah, so biz babe stuff. My fiance and I recently moved to Austin, Texas. And so as we've shared, Ksenia and I for a while led biz babe retreats in Kansas City. And then I continued to, to lead the event series and grow it. And when I moved to Austin, you know, we knew like few people. And so I had this big question of, do I continue to fly back to Kansas City for Biz Babe? Do I start to build it here? Like what, what's the story? And obviously I'm not going to launch a Biz Babe the first day I get here. So I decided to bring it online. And I already, already so much of my work is one-on-one holistic business coaching with female entrepreneurs via Zoom on the internet anyway, that I decided why not create this 
this cozy group coaching mastermind experience that's also infused with meditation and more of the ceremonial ritual, which is such a huge part of the biz babe events. Why not bring all that on the internet? Like, let's do it. It's 2019. And so it has been such a leap and so, so, so exciting. And it's funny because I could have said yes to the yoga retreat, right? But I said no to it. And I said yes to something that was totally unknown. I had no sample size on if it was going to work. And it's been fabulous. It's been so deeply motivating. And I know you, Ksenia, know this. It's been so touching how inspiring it's been to gather with this group of women every week on the internet and talk to each other on our computer. Like it has been so powerful. So honestly, almost all of my juice right now is going to running. It's called the Biz Babe Mastermind Circle. And I lead it a couple times a year and really supporting the babes, the attendees in refining their values, their mission, their message, their goals, and creating a strategy for self-bossing and refining and bringing more intention around the impact they want to make and then their profit plan and expansion goals. So that's where a lot of my juice is going. And that's that's definitely a huge part of my revenue as well. Did that replace the retreat revenue? I wouldn't like, you know, if I pulled up my spreadsheets right now, it's not the same mm-hmm. yet. It's not as much currently. But energetically, it probably is even more. Oh, for sure. And that's the thing. It's like, who cares if I love doing it? You know what I mean? And yeah, there's there's strategy behind it and I'm growing it. And there, there are things that I'm you know iterating and shape-shifting as far as the business side of it and the number side of it. But it has such growth potential. And, and like I said, at the end of the day, it just feels really good doing it, you know? And where do you see your business going in terms of scaling and long-term? Because the thing that I think about more and more as I am getting wiser and maturing is, okay, well, right now I'm making X amount of money from, you know, Instagram posts on Breakfast Criminals or X amount of money from a workshop I'm leading. But if I'm not doing these things, money's not coming into my bank. Mm -hmm. So I actually have to be doing work. Like right now, I don't know if I could take six months off and not work at all Mm -hmm. because I wouldn't have enough passive revenue coming in to really cover my basis. So how do you see your business expanding and scaling? And what's your vision for that? Yeah. Oh, I love it. Okay. Well, girl, we need to talk because one of my favorite things to talk to my biz babes about is creating your own like freedom fund. I'm actually building out my own maternity leave. I'm not pregnant, but I've created my own so that I can make my same salary for six months. So that's been so liberating for me too, just knowing that's there if and when we decide to make a baby. And yeah, I mean, that financial stability is such a huge part of entrepreneurship. It's such a question mark, you know, especially when we talk about budgeting and all of this. Um, So Yes, love that topic. And so I am, you know, some of it is numbers based, some of it is impact based. I as I said, I'm a, you know, private holistic business coach, so I a lot of my work is one-on-one. And what I have found in these ceremonies that I the Biz Babe ceremonies that I lead is that there's so much power in community. And this is where Biz Babe was born from. It was born from a desire to connect with others in a group way and having that hive mind. And there's a lot I can give and a lot I can facilitate one-on-one. And the group experience is just different. So I think what's been really gratifying for me is that the thing that has more scalability is also a thing that 
feels amazing and I get to witness people benefiting from. So that's been a real like hallelujah for me is that the biz babe circles, of course, just from a business model, I can have, you know, I mean, right now I'm keeping it cozy. I'm going to play with making them a little bit bigger, but I can have multiple people obviously paying X number of dollars. You know, I mean, your, your hourly pay goes up, right? Talking about revenue streams, my, so of course the biz babe workbooks, that's something that is, you know, we've created it and it's continued source of income, but also my other methods. So my Monday magic method, which is a huge thing that I talk about in sessions. And I realize almost just like from an energy standpoint, for me to continually repeat the exact same thing again and again is fine. I'm still passionate about it, but it is a better use of my time to redirect people to the method online. They get to pay less money than paying me to say something that I could have already recorded and they have access to. And so things like that feel it's like good for both of us, right? Like people get access to it at a lower cost. I get to have a wider audience and a bigger message reach. And then I get to spend my juice creating the next thing. You know, I think that's been a really exciting thing for me. So my kind of growth strategy is over the next couple of years is to continue to lead the BizBabe Mastermind Circles. So excited about those. And to continue to create the projects and products that serve my community. I'll continue some coaching. I have kind of minimized my spots on those, but continuing private coaching. And then the kind of question mark for me is if I want to resurrect the retreats in some way that it's like a hybrid biz babe retreat. So I'm playing with doing some type of like, maybe just even like a long weekend where we still have the ceremonial aspect. We have the mastermind aspect, and then I get to bring the yoga back in. So that's something that's kind of like a question mark for the next couple of years for me. Mm, This sounds incredible. Yeah. So what is Monday magic? Can you share some bits of it with us that people can apply right away? Sure. Yeah. Monday magic method. So again, this was born out of my discomfort and feeling of, oh my gosh, being an entrepreneur is like being a surfer. Every day is a different wave, WTF. And how do I create any type of ritual around this? Any you know, or a tool to feel like I'm moving the needle. And so for me, I, I find such great importance in running my business with a balance of masculine and feminine energy. And I think that a lot of goal setting systems and conversations are very masculine. It's like you make the list, you do it at all costs, go. And then some kind of entrepreneurial, like low yogi conversations tend to be a little bit more like whatever you feel like in the moment, just go with your gut. Every day is different. I think just being who I am, neither of those worked for me. I found the masculine too rigid. I found the feminine too flowy. It didn't fit me. And so I think just trying both of those on in different phases of my life and different ways in my life, I've created a hybrid. So the Monday magic method is a ritual that I do every Monday morning. I have clients who do Friday magic method. That's fine too. But it's essentially whatever you perceive as the start of your week. And I think especially as entrepreneurs who could potentially be working every day or, you know, even if they're intentionally taking a weekend off, let's be honest, there's going to be an email or a text you answer that's work related, right? And so I think just creating an anchor, okay, sitting down, it's kind of like how I think of meditating at the start of the day, just having this moment of reverence 
having this moment of acknowledging the beginning of a cycle, right? Even if we're talking of the micro cycle of just a week. So, so yeah, so the Monday Magic Method is a set of questions, exercises, and tasks that I walk through to kind of set myself up for success for the week. So that the method itself is similar to the work, the BizBabe workbooks in that you buy it online, you print it, and then you have access because it's weekly, especially you have access to print it every damn week and use it for eternity. I actually want to make a BizBabe planner. That's like, I'm just going to plant that seed because I think there's like a hybridization with all of these things coming together. And then, so yeah, to be continued, but Oh, I like. like it. Yeah, I'm like, I kind of just want it for me. So I'm like, okay, well, if I'm going to create it, I might as well make it available to the peeps. So keep you posted on the... It sounds amazing. Okay. The BizBay Planner. But yeah, so the method was, was really born out of this. So the method is, it begins with quarterly goal setting, which I have worksheets and systems for that. Those are also available online on their own. And that's just, again, born from the original BizBabe event where we started with with really looking at your annual goals and then breaking them into quarterly goal settings. So I have worksheets and a video to explain that. And then the Monday Magic Method is we walk through alignment. We talk about what you how you want to feel for the week, right? Like a little nod to Daniel Laporte in the Desire Map, right? Really connecting with your feeling state, talking about what you want to let go of and what you want to welcome in. And then my favorite parts of the, well, I like all the parts, but there's a whole page on honoring this, the phase of the moon. So I like to look at all of the things that impact us. My clients tend to be female. And so really looking at, again, what's the energetic state that we're in in this moment, and then also our cycle. So I'm a really, really, really big cheerleader for like hormonal literacy And so really bringing into the conversation, like, where am I in my cycle? And how is that going to impact my work? So I mean, this is where it's fun with private clients, because we nerd out hard. It's like, okay, if you're launching, you know, an album or a new painting or a book or whatever the thing is that you're birthing into the world, like, let's talk about where do you want things to be like astrologically? Where do you, you know, maybe you shouldn't launch it the day before you bleed, because that's when you're going to be the most in your most judging and sort of editing state. It's like, let's plan it for when you're ovulating. So, so again, really looking at just where you are. And, you know, of course, we all experience our period differently, but at least having that awareness and just understanding the lens through which you will be seeing your week and feeling your week. And again, it all comes back to that self-bossing and that kindness and that compassion and saying, okay, and like also superpower, if you're going to be if you're in your luteal state, your premenstrual state, you know, for me, I tend to be in a more critical place. That's a really good time for me to edit shit. That's a really good time for me to edit everything, refine my budgets, get spreadsheety. That's actually a really good time for me to do the more quote unquote masculine tasks. It's not a great time for me to try to like come up with a lot of content or, you know what I mean? Like really show up in a big extroverted way because that's not going to be my energetic state. Does the workbook explain which cycle is is what? Yeah, there's a little chart that talks about the four phases of your period and then kind of with the entrepreneurial spin, like what activities and tasks and kind of roles would benefit that hormonal state or rather that hormonal state would would be in support of. So it helps you kind of, again, make a method of the madness and say, okay, well, if I'm already super extroverted and my emotional and social centers are very elevated this week, why not record a podcast? Why not 
book, you know, for the things that we do have agency over, like, let's schedule that shit now, because this is going to be where I am. So again, we don't always have control over like every damn thing we do. But it does for me create, I mean, it creates a lot more harmony. So yeah, so we check in with the moon, we check in with our cycle. And then the, you know, a big part of the method is I have a little process around you do a brain dump around your goals and tasks due for the week. And then I have a process around it's like my favorite part. It's so exciting, but it's very simple. And it's around how you find out what is urgent and important. And the question I get asked the most from all my peeps is like, how do you know what to do? Like, okay, cool. I'm free from 12 to 2. What do I actually do with my time? And so this is the the bulk of the method is an audit that you do on your to-do list that will tell you exactly what to do first, the order to do them, and then a system for accountability for making them happen. I love it. That's so important. It's so important. I think it's, first of all, the fact that there's a method to just taking everything in your brain and putting it down. It's totally transformed my life ever since I started bullet journaling about a year ago, just at the beginning of every week, every month, every morning, just dumping everything that's in my brain so that you get things on paper and then are able to identify what's priority and what's not. But you took it totally to the next level. And I love how you also bring in the cycles and your energetic state, because that really just adds those layers that help us see more clearly what we're committed to creating that day, that week, that month. Yeah, I love it. I mean, I did not set out to make a method. Again, it was just something that I had created. I had like, I use um, Wonderlist or Todoist and I had like my app and I would do it every Monday. And then I started to just witness, I was like, oh, I do these exact things every Monday and these are things I am teaching my clients to do. Okay, duh, let me gather this, bring it all in one place. Again, I have an amazing designer, so it's very beautiful. You know, it's a very beautiful method and make it available to other people. And it's, isn't it kind of funny when something it's like necessity is the mother of invention. Like, you know, I I wasn't like, I'm going to make this sparkly method and the world is going to change. It was like, Oh, I need to do this because I need it. You know, it's like, we often teach what we need, right? We like preach what we need to learn. And, and so it was really, it's been really impactful. And just like, like, I feel very honored to be able to share it with people and have them say, I have a client who said, like, I cried on Monday, because I did this. And I knew exactly what to do for the week. And I cried tears of joy. And I was like, okay, if that's the only thing I've ever told about this, like, what an honor to be a facilitator for that. Are you kidding me? And like, so much of my, you know, being an entrepreneur in my early 20s, so much of that was just like, literally grasping at straws, no clue what I was doing, you know, trial, error, trial, error, trial, error. And I didn't really have a shaped mentor. I had different people who, of course, I I looked up to, but I didn't really have access to them. And so I think a huge kind of dharma side of the work that I do now is really being like, I wish that I had had a holistic business coach who I could be like, yo, what's up? I have a question, you know? And so, so it feels really exciting to me to be able to be a part of this. And, you know, I just feel like it's the way we're headed to, you know, around people creating their own work in the world. That's so cool. And I also love that it's digital so that anyone, anytime, anywhere in the world has access to it. I love that. So speaking of digital, there's so much I want to talk to you about, but if I were to pick just one thing we cover, it's social media. I can't believe we haven't gotten to this before, but what's your relationship with social media and what role does it play in your business? My first thought when you asked me that is I love it. I love Instagram. I think it is so fun. 
I just have one Instagram. I, for a while I used to have a personal and a, and a professional. And then I realized, you know what? My work is my brand. Like it's all the same. So personally, I just have one. It's like I said, Abby Miller Holistic. Biz Babe has its own Instagram as well for the events and things like that. It's Biz Babes Unite. And, but yeah, I mean, showing up on Insta is like, I'm, I just think it's such a tool for connection. And so, I mean, I, I use a little bit of Facebook. Honestly, I use it more for events. But so when you say social, I really just hear Instagram. I think like I've heard you say, it's like there's a person holding that phone somewhere, liking that picture, you know? And I think just, gosh, it's like to be able to have, it's like we've put our own, like, you know, it's a marketing tool in our hands, right? We're without big investments and all these things to be able to directly access your client. And now with the DM feature of a client being able to be like, haha, that was a funny video. I'm going to ask you a question. It's been amazing. And then also just professionally, like, yes, personally, I freaking love, I mean, most of my Instagrams are like either work related or my boyfriend topless gardening being your boyfriend. You have a boyfriend on top of a fiance. Oh, my fiance, my fiance. (laughs) Don't tell my fiance. I had a boyfriend. You know, for me, it's very playful, right? And then I also think just from a sales perspective, I realize, again, there's a person holding that phone. And in a biz babe circle, these are people that I want to be gathering, right? And yes, this is how I earn a living. These people are paying me money for this service that I am creating. But connecting, you know, I I just always come back to like marketing 101 of leading with what you're giving, what they are getting more than the person wants to know what they are getting, right? They want to know what is this, like making it about them and connecting with other people. And again, leading from that place, you know, if I am like, hey guys, Monday Magic is available or like there is, you know, a post that's not just me sharing my matcha or something, you know, like if there is a post that there is strategy, it's like, hey, this thing launched, it's available to you. Whenever I come from a place of like, I need to sell it, I have one spot open or something like that, inevitably it like never sells and like nobody ever likes the picture. But when I lead from like, what I'm saying to you of, oh my gosh, this method that I've birthed out of this feeling of frustration and, you know, being unsure. And like, I've refined this thing that has, you know, created so much ease for myself and clients. I'm so excited for you to experience it. When I lead from that truth, it's like easy breezy. So fun. I think for me, I love social. I think just remembering to come at it from this place of connection and not, yeah, not thinking of it as like a numbers game. Wow, that's so refreshing. I think if more people brought the attitude, and you're reminding me that right now too, the attitude of playfulness versus getting stuck of, oh, what did this picture get? What did this picture get? Why did no one buy this? Instead, just keeping coming back to why are you there? What's your message? What value are you bringing? And how can you genuinely connect with people if you feel like it? And if you don't feel like it, don't even post. And I think it depends on your business model. You know, my work is very intimate, right? I'm a coach, I either facilitate one-on-one coaching, group coaching, or ceremonies and retreats. So my work is very much all about a relationship. And so this idea of me just like post, you know, post and ghost, like that doesn't serve my brand. Me DMing people and like actually conversating with people, like I've actually never hired a social media manager. I've thought about it. I've had an assistant or two help me with a few things on my grid, but I've always wanted to be the actual person responding to things because my work is so relational. And I think that this is where, you know, 
when I'm working with my biz babes and we talk about social, my first question is always like, how can you need to sell how you serve? And if you like, I serve through connection, so I need to sell through connection, right? So it would not make sense for me to look at it any other way, you know? Right. And do you still work with brands uh, to do paid social media content? I did a big focus of that last year and probably back to the alignment. I just, it wasn't a hell yeah for me. It wasn't a hell yeah. That's not to say that there's still some brands. I mean, I'm like obsessed with so many brands and, you know, if they reach out and there's an organic partnership, I'll do it, but I'm not pursuing it. Honestly, where my juice is going more is like, public speaking and speaking at conferences and getting in front of people that that feels more right for me and just like who I am in my business model. So yeah, that's kind of where things are headed. Yeah. Hell yeah. All about standing in front of people and making it in person where possible, but at the same time having it available online. It's so cool to see, you know, from where we started doing this one retreat to now both of us have all these online products together and separately and masterminds. And it's so cool how you keep following your intuition on expanding your business and pivoting it. And such an important reminder to all of us that having a system to the madness can be extremely valuable and a reminder to say no, even to something that makes total logical sense just because your gut says no. Those are such, such important lessons that I feel like every entrepreneur needs to be reminded of. So those are my takeaways, but I'm curious before we wrap up, is there anything we didn't cover that you want to share, Abby Miller? I mean, my first thought when you were just talking was that nothing is forever. And so if you've created a method for the madness, do it until it doesn't feel right, you know? And if there's that kind of tightness, you know, that that tension that I think is a symptom of a growing pain to understand like, here we go again, just got comfy, just got comfy, here we go again. And that, I mean, if anything, I feel like that has been as I've, you know, moved from performing arts to yoga and nutrition to business is that there's been a flow. And then there's been that moment of tension where, you know, if you want to call it a plateau or a growing pain or a pivot, or like, you know, my soul speaking at, you know, interpret as you will. But I think that I'm at a point now where I kind of have to chuckle and be like, Oh, that's funny. You thought that was going to stay the same. That's cute. And that's kind of like, I mean, you know, any type of business, I think needs to be agile, you need to be on your toes, you know, it's like, so I think just just understanding that to the listeners, if you are feeling like you are failing, because the way you used to work, isn't working. I would argue the quite the contrary. I would argue that it is a sign of your growth and evolution and expansion that that discomfort is teaching you to step into the next chapter. What a way to end this. I love it. So with all these awesome things we've talked about, everything's going to be linked in the show notes. But if people want to connect with you, then what's the best way to do that? Yeah. I mean, I love a good old fashioned email. Abby at abbymiller.com. We'll link it up. You can DM me on Insta. Give me a holla. And then, yeah, I would love to have you join our biz babe circle and connect with the sisterhood of mover shakers, entrepreneurs and makers. And, you know, it's just would love to connect and hear what resonated. And guys, if you're listening, 
if you're inspired by any part of this, then take a screenshot and let us know what you learned, what you're moved by, what made you laugh, what made you cry, all the things. And tag at Abby Miller Holistic and at Woken Wired. If you enjoyed the show, please leave a rating and a review on iTunes and share it with a friend who you think could benefit from the message. Find all the show notes and all the resources on WokenWired.com and also join the WokenWired podcast listener Facebook group. It's a private group where you can connect with people who are like-minded and say hello on Instagram. Find me at Woke and Wired. Stay woke, stay wired, and take three deep breaths right now.